Welcome back, rugby fans, to another episode of the Run, Pass, or Kick here with your team from the Rugby Rant. My name is Ty Brogger, your host for today's activities alongside the usual familiar co-host. You got Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt and joining us is the man of the hour, the one to be put to the test in our RPK is Shalom Seniola. And of course, this is a man who comes from rich pedigree. But before we jump into that, Shalom, welcome to the show. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. Well, it is a pleasure to be able to have MLR royalty with us with a two-time championship winner here. Um, you know, it's it's quite the CV and resume you've already racked up. And I want to give the opportunity for our viewers tuning in here on the Rugby Round a chance to learn a little bit more about you, not only through the course of this interview, but I to remind them that this is a guy that began his career in rugby league with the South Logan Magpies back in New Zealand, made his way across to the U.S., where, of course, joined uh, the, the Union with the Belmont Shore, moved on to the Seattle Saracens before finally making your way to the Seattle Seawolves, where you won those two championships, in addition to already being Eagles number 451 and the Sevens Eagles as well. So what an incredible CV. Now we know who we were here with, and let's find out a little bit more as we hand it over to Rob Hammerschmidt to let you know how the RPK works. Thanks, Ty. And again, Shalom, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on the show and joining us to share a little bit of your time and, and rugby experience with us and our fans. So for those who are uninitiated and the run, pass, or kick interview, just want to touch base on how this little ditty works. We're going to post questions to Shalom, and we're going to give him choices. He can run, pass, or kick with each question. He'll let us know what he wants to do. If he opts to run with a question, just like any good back, he's going to take it away, run with the ball straight up. But he can also, as any good back uh, can do, be very uh, versatile, and he can pass that uh, question on. And just means it's a little hot topic. He wants to stay away from that one. Or he can kick. And that's when he gets to have a little fun with us. He can kick it to either Ty or myself. Uh, if you want to identify who you're going to kick it to, that's fine. Or you could just let whoever asked the question feel the question, in which case we get put on the uh, test and we basically have to answer in your stead and in a way that we think you'll answer. And then you can grade us out. How did we do? Did we do well? Did we do poorly? And you can even uh, fill in the fans uh, with with your own little bit of spice in there. So, uh, Shalom, are you ready for the run, pass, or kick challenge? Yeah, that sounds like fun. Awesome. Well, uh, <clears throat> I was doing a little research, as I, I, I like to say, I'm I'm pretty good at, at um, surfing and hunting the internet for information about our guests. And I just came across this one that brought an absolute tear to my eye as a father myself. I know Ty, as a new father, can attest. Here is your beautiful daughter running out on the pitch to greet you. And um, from what I understand, she's dressed as a Power Ranger on the Starfire pitch. And um, also from what I read, uh, she wanted to continue the play fight that apparently the two of you had started earlier that evening. Um, so I just got to know, Shalom, uh, what color Power Ranger costume do you wear when you engage in the play fights with your with your daughter? <laughs> oh, I appreciate this one. Uh, I mean, like any good dad, you be the Power Ranger. She tells you to be right. It's, uh, <laughs> it's uh, you know they're they're onto it, and they know what mood they're in that day. And you you just you just yes, you're a yes man at that point. <laughs> I absolutely understand what you're saying. It's it's uh, fatherhood has been it's been such a gift and a joy to me, and I'm sure you feel the same way uh, to have that beautiful spark of life in your life. So. Um, congratulations on on that. It's it's a beautiful moment that you could share with her, especially on a, such a great place as a rugby pitch. Yeah, All yeah. Right. No, that that that, that, is, that if not was one of the most uh, you know memorable moments. So yeah, apologies yeah. about that. I'll run with this because this no, no. is one of my best rugby memories. Uh, you know, to date was you know it was a really intense match with New York that day. I remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah. And uh, New York was a quality outfit that day, and they were playing really you know good footy. And uh, it was just after a, tr uh, you know, a try, I think, a try on our end. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, geez, all of a sudden, I actually thought 
I thought it was going to be a streaker. You know, we're all walking our way back to halfway. The crowd goes wild. I thought it was a streaker. I'm like, oh my god, this is this is a, a, a hallmark moment for first half fire yeah. here in Seattle. This is our first streaker, right? Everyone's going crazy at a time when you're not meant to. You know, there's about to yeah. be a conversion. You know, so then I turn around and it was my young little girl. You know, complete opposite thought process, right? <laughs> Here comes my little daughter running onto the field, and uh, it mounted my heart in, in a way like never before. But at the same time, first thing running through my head was, "Where's your mother?" You know? <laughs> <laughs> her mother runs on with the wine glass. I was very impressed with her. Uh, she didn't spill a to, drop. To, yeah, right, right, right. Didn't, 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 yeah. It's why you love her. It's why you love her. <laughs> You know, that's so, funny. Talking about streaking, you know, this is perhaps a little bit of a tangent, but obviously news, you know, currently is uh, the hype that's before and after that came with the Super Bowl. And there was a streaker that, of course, uh, you know, ran onto the pitch. And this is yeah. not very common at a Super Bowl event. Did you hear that apparently he won $374,000 yeah. on a bet because he orchestrated it himself with a buddy yeah. that he would bet that there would have been a streaker during the Super Bowl? So, uh, you know, crazy that uh, that that might be uh, might be true. It, but I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah one, he, I yeah. mean, rugby has some crazy things, and and much like other sports too. So that was just funny to be able to mention. Talking about funny things, though, for a moment, I see that uh, the, the plethora of things that is uh, coming up behind <laughs> Rob every week. You have new items behind you there. What's next? Well, uh, I actually just today. Sorry, Shalom. I I have to feel this one just today. In the mail, I got a um, uh, Utah uh, Warriors ball that was sent to me by, of course, the RugbyShop.com. It's, it's, you know, the new balls are coming out and the new merch is coming out, and I was able to capitalize on that a bit. And Ed and the boys sent me this ball. It's a great piece that I added to uh, my uh, plethora of rugby uh, memorabilia behind right. me. So I'm really enjoying it. You haven't got much more real estate back there, so I'm no, wondering I'm where you're going to find space for other stuff. But talking about uh, the, the boys at uh, at uh, the rugby shop, they'll be joining us on this Sunday as we'll be releasing our regular fixture of the Rugby Debate Show and the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. Uh, but on that occasion, we'll be having the team from the rugby shop joining us between Ed Pye and Kyle Ferguson. So make sure that you tune in on Sunday. It'll be coming out as per usual on our social media under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod. So as we dive digress shalom i turn the attention back to you where it should be of course yeah so let's continue forward into number two with the run pass or kick questions and i have the honor of delivering the next one so run pass or kick my friend speaking of starfire we're on the topic there about seattle being at the home games great atmosphere great crowd here lies the question run pass or kick it is one of the venues that routinely draws the best and loudest yeah. crowds across the league what were two ingredients that the Seawolves organization focused on to develop support in the Seattle community? Run, pass, or kick? I'll run with that. Uh, and this is a question that keeps uh, popping up every now and then. And I think what the organization does really well was, you know, it, it's, it's, it's kind of founded on a really rich sports history, right, in regards to the other professional sports outfits that are here. And... One of the things I love about Seattle, it's it's not as big as your biggest sporting cities like Chicago, New York, uh, Boston and whatnot. But at the same time, it's relatively small enough where the, the, the sports outfits are really close-knitted together. You know, from everything from their uh, color-coordinated theme in regards to the uniform to the way uh, the people really get behind the Seahawks, you know, the 12, they call them. Uh, yeah. And I think we were just a, an echo of that crowd. and. Um, uh, and, right. and the culture of that, right? And, and uh, I could tell you, although we're sold out every every week, every game, um, I I would imagine fifty percent of them don't even know what they're watching. You know, why is this ball going backwards and not forward? <laughs> yeah. Um, so at the same time, I think the uh, the front office team did a really fantastic job, right. uh, not only capitalizing on that, uh, but at the same time. Uh, you know, just tapping into that existing yeah. sport culture, right? I, I, I got to stand on. I got to tell you, Shalom, uh, fans, this man is being incredibly humble about his role in the process. I had a great conversation with my my guy Dave Fee, and Dave Fee could not say enough about 
uh, in his conversations with Shalom, how much Shalom had invested in the community to really get that community behind rugby in Seattle and make it happen. So I think you're underselling your role, my friend. I think you had a, a much greater um, uh, impact. Yeah, go ahead and blow that trumpet, man. (laughs) (laughs) No, Rob, to that point, I mean, the community component is a a huge part of the the success of, you know, not just Seattle Seawolves, but the sport of rugby as a whole, right? And so, for example, um, there's only a certain amount of, you know, energy that you could put in as a startup, right? The reality is all franchises, we're we're a startup league, we're a startup franchise. And part of the, uh, part of, you know, part of the pathways you go down is do you want to, you know, do, do we spend our time with people who already know rugby or do we tap into the other 99% who don't know rugby, right? Right. Given the yeah. era that we're in. And so a lot of the time we'll spend going into, um, a, you know, multi-sport organization, existing organizations like your YMCA's and Boys and Girls Club. Again, I feel like we're in education uh, era where people don't even know what a rugby ball looks like, feels like, right? Let alone what, how the game's played, right? The rules. And so going, working from that uh, lens, uh, it was, it was, you know, ball familiarization <laughs> and, yeah. and, and, and it was a win, right? And then in two to three years time, you can start slowly progressing. And so uh, a lot of, we, we, we every, re- what I found with the landscape of rugby in America, every region is different. It ain't copy and paste, you know, yeah. it ain't a cut and paste process. So here in Seattle, uh, we felt like we weren't ready for an academy uh, yet. Um, at the same time, we just wanted to give the word awareness was uh, the number one word there. And so we wanted to create that, expand the, uh, the pool and the awareness of rugby. Right. And there, there were already existing programs out there where we could use, uh, we could add, you know, rugby as a, um, you know, as an uh, an added value to the uh, the curriculum and programs that they had already running, and so sport right. sampling was a, was an angle, and that's what we played. Shalom, I want to jump in over here because it seems like the perfect opportunity to be able yeah. to remind our viewers that you are the man who's not only great in the field, but also more recently in front of the camera too, as you uh, took to the uh, to the to being in front of camera for the MLR with the uh, recent edition of the Rugby One Hundred and One. Uh, you know, let me ask you this question. This one's off the cuff. Run, pass, or kick, how crucial is that element of education when it comes to adopting the game across yeah. the nation here when it comes to rugby? And what are some of the measures that are in place to help that grow? Yeah, I'll run with that. Um, for the most part, I think it was a couple of years ago, uh, I was at a school assembly and it was one of those common questions, hey, hands up those who've heard of rugby. And then, you know, certain number of hands go up, hands up those who know what a rugby was made of. And one kid said wood made out of wood (laughs) Wood. and and it was that moment where i'm like oh my goodness we've got some work to do you know what i mean and so So, so like some kid thought rugby is tough and we kick wood (laughs) (laughs) just to show how tough we are yeah exactly we break boards at the scrum If that doesn't give you an indication on where we are as a game, yeah. I mean, obviously some areas are more more advanced than right. others, but at the same time, it was a good you know, a good spectrum of answers that we got. But you know, it just shows that not everybody. Where, that's where I got you know what ball familiarization. That'll be a win if they just understand how to handle a ball, what it looks like, feels like, and, and how to uh, you know from an unstructured standpoint, just throw it how you want to throw it. Um, and, and, you know, once you introduce the rules and then they'll find out that there is a certain way that's more efficient than the other way. Um, and so kind of finding, you know, different ways to explain the game of rugby where they get to express themselves. And, uh, again, not, uh, not cornering them to just one specialized sport. And, and I'm a big fan of sports sampling and trying different things. And, right. you know, typically I always end up with who loves playing tag in the playground and every kid's hand goes up, right? And I'm like, well, you'll love rugby. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm going to put 15 other guys in front of you and you're going to run. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Shalom, this is a, you segue perfectly into our next question because you're talking about your experiences as somebody who's really helped to develop youth rugby in and around the Seattle area and, and, and around the United States, which is a tremendous feather in your cap. You clearly spent a lot of time supporting, uh, I know from your background, the Special Olympics, and again, engaged in youth rugby camps. If the rugby faithful in the United States spend time committing themselves like you have to growing uh, the sport of rugby, 
Run, pass, or kick, what is your timetable, do you think, for the United States to be in the mix with Tier 1 nations? What kind of time frame are we talking about? You know, I'm going to kick that the tie. I'd love to hear that. <laughs> perfect. Glad it wasn't me. Do you know why he says that's perfect? Because I got to admit, I was reading the next question and I missed this one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when they say timing is everything in comedy, I have just been caught with my pants down. <laughs> so what was the question? Let me, let me... All right. So you deliver it. We want to we want to know what Shalom's time. What if we make a commitment in the United States to growing rugby, youth rugby, all the the programs that that Shalom's right. talked about? What is your timetable for the United States to be able to be in the mix with Tier One nations? Pause. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. All jokes aside, I mean. We've echoed this very same thing in how many different episodes on the rugby mm. rant, and I believe that it really is true, and I'll say it again. That generation that you're looking for, for those World Cup athletes who will take us to higher levels than we've ever achieved before, are not the guys that are being on the field, or taking the field today. They're the people who will be there tomorrow, and not even tomorrow, beyond that, right? Because one generation should make the next one even stronger, and so that is a part of your legacy. Right. You know, They talk about what you leave behind in that jersey. So we have to look at 10 years from now, we have to be looking at, okay, we want our prime player to be between 24 and 28. Let's start looking at kids that are 14 to 18 years old. That's where we need to be. What do you think? Fair enough answer? Yeah, I think that's a fair statement. I mean, you know, given where we are as a country now, what makes a good, strong uh, international team is a strong domestic competition. Right. Fair. And so, you know, the, the, the more strength that we could get behind major league rugby, um, and then, you know, the pathway system underneath that, right, that fills out. Up, right. right. And then I think there should be a strong domestic competition, right, for those who can't break yeah. into, for the local yeah. people who can't, you know, so to speak, like a AAA, you know, sort of competition, right? Because I think the challenge right now is, you know, developing, you know, the goal of Major League Rugby is, you know, because outside of winning is, is and growing the game is, you know, how do we develop a strong pipeline, right? And I'm sure that's every right. person's dream of local players, American-born players, Canadian-born players, so that we can, as, you know, currently Tier 2 nations perform at a higher level. And so I think looking from that lens, I think, Ty, you're pretty spot on. So I get an A? You get <laughs> He's like, uh, I'll laugh awkwardly, and that means no. <laughs> B plus, um, B plus. As you can tell, we don't take ourselves too seriously but all, all all seriousness you know you are a great ambassador for the sport and when you speak not only does it come from from a place of experience it comes from a place of respect because you obviously have dedicated yourself to this game uh, and it comes across on screen very well and, you know, as an ambassador of the sport, you've been fortunate enough to be in some of the, the highest uh, caliber of the game of what it can offer, certainly here in, in the U.S. And, and also abroad. And that leads me to my next question. So let's run into the next one here. Run, pass, or kick, Shalom. You have played in some pretty big matches from the MLR Championship Finals uh, to the All Blacks, and the list can probably go on and on and on. Here lies the question. Which match stands out the most in your career, run, pass, or kick? Wow. It's a tough one, right? Yeah. Uh, I'll run. I'll run with this. Uh, one of the toughest matches that I could remember, um, probably not on top of everybody's mind, but it was against uh, New Orleans. New Orleans, it was a home game. It was a fast game. It was a rough game. I remember... I just remember some heavy collisions, you know, and they played some really great expansive break. I mean, there were, there were a lot of tough games with Toronto, San Diego, you know, the, the list, even Utah, you know, we, yeah. geez, every time we played them, it's like two mouth guards in, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's an advertisement <laughs> right there. <laughs> So, I mean, not one team wasn't hard, you know, because at, the, at every game, uh, everyone, you know, for some reason, you know, we had this sort of red target on our backs. And uh, <laughs> um, But one game I remember vividly was uh, New Orleans at home. Uh, geez, what year was that? I think 2019. Uh, they yeah. had a great outfit. They were, they were there or thereabouts. But, geez, there were some unlucky bounces on there, and that was unfortunate. That's music to the ears of uh, Rob Hammerschmidt. That's right. Yeah, and 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 my and my guys back there, Doug and Benji and 
and uh, Adrian, you know, I'm talking to, I'm, not, I'm talking to you. They, they like hearing that. So um, yeah. And, and speaking of playing, playing rugby, uh, let's just close your, you don't have to close your eyes, but let's pretend you're closing your eyes for a moment. And uh, there's an opportunity uh, to, to play in a USA alumni match. And you're the captain of one of the two sides, the red and the blue, and you get to captain one of the two sides and uh, your next pick, uh, you have your two brothers, uh, Andrew and Ronald over there, uh, and and oh, sorry, Roland, Roland, excuse me, over there, and you have to pick between one of your two brothers to bring them on your squad. Who are you going with, run, pass, or kick, Andrew or Roland? Oh, geez, uh, I'll kick to you, Rob. Well, no problem. I thought about this one in advance. I think you said that Andrew is the older of the of of your brothers, right? The oldest brother. Yes. Okay, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, he's a pretty good size uh, lad. Uh, And 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 I and if I'm also not mistaken, I've seen him uh, put a lot of solid hits when he has the ball in hand on on the defense. Um, So I I think I'm going to go with Andrew on this one. I think that's not a bad shot, man. I mean, he, he would beat me up if I didn't choose him. That's how that would go. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I, I think, you know, it depends on what kind of game we're trying to play, who the forwards we are. This is a technical answer. But uh, for the most part, it would be – I like Roland because of the way that we can kind of – we read each other better. But with Andrew, you know what you're going to get and you know what you know. use typically. It's a pretty good result if you use him well. So that's a, that's a good diplomatic answer that – at Thanksgiving dinner, I'm sure we'll make the dinner much, a much, much more enjoyable uh, evening. <laughs> so, so staying perfect. on the topic of family for a moment, here lies the next question again. So we're going to stick with the theme there. Run, pass, or kick. Your family has strong Samoan roots. This has led to you being on the board of the Pacific, um, sorry, the Pacific Rugby Player Welfare Board. What are some measures that World Rugby could implement that would bring opportunity to players for the Pacifica region? Yeah, I'll run with this. Uh, I think this is an important one is, you know, you uh-huh. mentioned before about, you know, how if we're going to be top contenders in the tier one nation, what does that look like, right? And working backwards from there, I think, you know, Polynesians have a strong contingency amongst the, 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 the player pool, right? And so I think one of the challenges right now is just that, I think to get it to the next level, we need somebody to facilitate the relationships between the high performance uh, department at USA Rugby and, and community, right? And so you think about right. age grade, how much are the age grade kids at Polynesian? And, you know, there is, there is a lot. You know, I was in 2018, I've seen the pathway uh, in, in men and women at the Eagles level, and most of them are Polynesian. And a lot of the times, um, you know, there's, there's cultural misunderstanding sometimes when they come to camp unprepared, when there's a, you know, as Polynesians, I can say this, but we're terrible communicators, right? And so, uh, you know, that's something that we, we need to work on. Uh, but at the same time, there's always an underlying issue to that, right? And and oftentimes uh, we're we're too afraid to say it. There's that fear. There's, there's that. But if we get, if we have a, a mediator between that, if that's something, that I think that could help us tap into the next level, so that they can be at their best um, when they turn up to camp, let alone team selection time. Uh, you know, and which, as a result, will hopefully turn into something more positive uh, amongst the other fourteen players. You know, it's funny. You, you not funny, but but interesting that you talk about that uh, as a Samoan, talk about the lack of uh, or the difficulty communicating. I also think that respect is such an family, respect for elders, respect for yeah. um, your or, you know, people that are older than you or in a higher position than you. Um, that respect that permeates the, the Polynesian culture, I could see how that could be an impediment. You don't want to question authority. And so you you accept whatever they're right, telling you a, a good as, and as, bad depending right. on the scenario right and and that yes. could make things difficult uh for for young players to you know know how to communicate and effectively um have an impact upon their own growth and development as a rugby player 
Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and, and a classic example would be like if I'm chatting to you in real life, Rob, and you know, oftentimes when there's a confrontation or a one on one, you know, often they, they wouldn't look at you in the eye, you know, to, to mm. your average person. That means that's a sign of disrespect when really that's a sign of respect to the Polynesian culture. Right. We don't look at, you know, right. at the elders in the eye sort of thing. And so there are different nuances about that that could come right. across wrong or misconception or things like that. But if we just had, you know, more resources, I'll call it, uh, to support that and get a better understanding around that so that, that as a result, we could be more efficient and dig deeper and finding out. Um, I think I think that could be something that could, uh, you know, we're not talking about a lot here, but it could be a little bit of difference that could uh, help along the way, whether it be their journey in Major League Rugby, college, uh, studies, or er- everything outside of rugby that makes you a uh, complete player. Absolutely. And uh, we're going to tone it. Uh, that was a great answer. I, I love the the insight that you provided on that question. We're going to kind of bring it back to the lighter side a little bit uh, with a segment we call the quick tap. So we're going to throw a few quick fire questions at you. You just choose one of the two options uh, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll move ahead, you know, with each one. So it's real quick. Just get an idea of what you're this like a little bit. About that. Pick one, no, this or that. <laughs> so he's, so here's a quick tap. Better Seawolves jersey, home or away? Home. Home. All right. I, I agree on that one. If nothing else, because it has ticket holders' names on the jersey, they have ownership. They're there on the field with you. I love I that. I think idea. it's a classic styled rugby yeah. jersey, you know? Yeah. Uh, maybe it's same. the traditionalist in me that I like it more. You know, I, I'm not saying I don't like the away one. I just like the tradition of that, that more classic style. Okay, NFL team, Saints or Seahawks? Oh, Saints. <laughs> there we go. Saints. I love the Seahawks. Full respect to my local team, but I, I grew up as a Saints man. Grew up as a Saints fan. All right, the people down in Ola love you for that. Uh, Seattle beverage, coffee or craft beer? Coffee. Right on. Here we go. What What's your go-to place in Seattle? You got to tell me. Uh, Starbucks HQ. Starbuck uh, HQ, know. okay. Starbucks HQ, I love the flat white and the barista there nail it every time. Every time they have to if they're an HQ. No subs, yeah. There you go. <laughs> and and I know from doing a deep dive in your background that you're that you're really, really strong on the diet. You really have a uh you're almost like a monk when it comes to your diet and training regiment, right? So here's my question: protein dinner. Steak or salmon? Salmon. Nice. I like that. I'm a big fan of salmon myself. All right. Last one. Uh, we were talking about your daughter running onto the field, and we know Staller the baller was out there kicking for posting that one. So here's my question. Kicker in the clutch, who are you taking, Staller or Seema? Staller. Oh, ooh, all right. I think a lot of Seawolves fans would agree with you on that one, but Seema is not a bad <laughs> choice either, right? No, he's good. He's good too. Awesome. <laughs> so let's uh, turn our attention back to uh, talking about Island Nation Rugby Pacifica. You know, I, you know. I just want to circle back around to what you what you said before. Obviously, there's a really strong rugby culture that just hasn't, you know, found its its groove, for lack of a better term, internationally for a multitude of different reasons, but. You know, looking at this position now and looking at his position 10 years ago or 20 years ago, it's probably in the best place it's been. There's more momentum now. There's more attention. So with that in mind, I want you to be able to, you know, give some 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 thought to this question here. Run, pass, or kick. There seems to be a lot more energy – or sorry, a lot of energy being put into Pacifica Rugby from Maona Pacifica uh, to rumors of the Super League uh, team based in New Zealand. Is this – the pathway to addressing the issues raised in Dan Leo's documentary Oceans Apart, which, by the way, I only saw for the first time maybe about three weeks ago, and it's it's a great story. It, it perfectly personifies the challenges that are faced along the way for any island nation. So, again, let me repeat that question. Is this the pathway to addressing the issues raised in Dan Leo's documentary Oceans Apart? I'll run with that. Uh, an important question, I think, um, based on the current climate where rugby is right now, right, and I, I think 
the Moana, the, all these Polynesian uh, teams that are coming up, right, in these uh, specific competitions. I think the number one thing it's doing and what Dan's doing the most is creating awareness and curiosity yeah. around that, right? I think that that that's so you talk about it, is it gonna lead to a more positive pathway? I think I think yes is the short answer. Uh, and right. the awareness because of these documentaries, because of these uh, programs or teams that are forming, um, is gonna um, you know, people are gonna ask the right questions and put the right people who have power uh, under pressure. Uh, hopefully for more, you know, diverse game and, uh, you know, expanded opportunities for the Polynesians who play, you know, who we all know, but they have an intricate role uh, to the you know, world rugby ecosystem. Absolutely. I, I was absolutely, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, the Moana uh, match between them and the Maori. It was, I, I, could re, I could watch that match three or four times again. It was just, yeah. it was so, the, the Haka on both sides, preempting the match coming before the energy and just I, more than that, the mana the, the and the pride yeah. that exuded from the players on both sides of the pitch. It, it was a vibe that just set, you know, my spine tingling. And I'm not even a Pacific. I mean, look at my skin for crying out loud. I'm as pasty as an Irishman, but it, it really spoke to me. And I, I hope that's something that continues because it was such an opportunity for, uh, you know, Pacifica nations to put their culture on a pedestal for everyone to see, and yeah. in a rugby format, it was it was truly a delight. And, and well, it's so, so intertwined with it, and the lessons yeah. that are carried from the field into life, and from life onto the field, they're they're intertwined. Mm. And that's what I got out of the very same thing you did there, Rob, and of course all the documentaries that I've watched. Um, so it's an inspiring tale, and it's a story of a great underdog, right? And everybody yeah. wants them to be able to rise to the top. It's just about opportunity, and that ties into what you said, Shalom, right. is about awareness. And with continuing awareness, the opportunity may very well present itself, right? Right. So let's get back to uh, the state side here a little bit. Um, this is one I've always had an interest in. Uh, we know that Seattle is the reigning champions of Major League Rugby. Right with the shortened season last season. Technically, technically, yeah. <laughs> and what interests me the most about Seattle over the last, you know, three and a half, and now going into the fourth season, is that uh, Keith Lensing has taken over the coaching duties in 2020 and now 2021, and he is the fifth head coach essentially that's been assigned to the SeaWolves or signed with the SeaWolves in four seasons. Yet they've been amazingly consistent over the last three and a half years. Run, pass, or kick, what have been the keys to consistency in Seattle? Yeah, uh, I would pass up on this, but, you know, I think I'll dummy that and I'll run. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Like, the first You'll dummy think. that's been declared in, uh, on the show. So yeah. congratulations. You're a pioneer, my friend, a pioneer. <laughs> um, I think I think the you know you talk about consistency. I think what's been consistent is a core cool group of players, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think you know as you can see the coaching turnaround has been um, you know that's been inconsistent. But for the most part, the coaches that we have had have all been you know uh, have all allowed the players to not not necessarily run everything, but to be able to facilitate um, and bring the best out of us in terms of our training. And, and ideas and expand on the experience that, 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 that that's at hand, right? And they did a very great job with uh, obviously uh, implementing and, and helping um, yeah, integrate the, the, the younger experience that we do get, whether that be from college or club. And, and, and I think one of the last thing is I've, I've always felt like the strength to any major league rugby team is their locals, right? Yeah. And as you guys might know that before even I got here, there was already a strong local presence in terms of rugby um, and youth rugby. And, and just, you know, you could go down the laundry list of the amount of, uh, you know, props like TT and David and Pittman and, you know, just mm -hmm. a lot of players that have come from, um, you know, a, a program or youth rugby programs that have been, you know, um, historically strong. So I don't think I think the Seawolves are just being beneficiaries of something that's been built for over time, and I think right. that's what I mean by, um, you know, and when you, when we pick our foreigners, it's almost like a jigsaw puzzle. Where do, where do we need you know a bit of a um, and who fits? 
yeah, and who fits who fits this environment that's already had a strong culture uh, around? Yeah, winning? and that's where where the Seattle Seawolves are very fortunate. You know, as you yeah. so rightly pointed out, that they kind of you know, I mean, for lack of a better term, spoiled when it comes to the the the, the rich wealth of player pool that they have locally, the club support, the fan support. You know, between you know, well, you were previous Saracens, but, you know, this is Seattle Rugby Club, who I think has already produced over 12 MLR players. Uh, you know, rich, rich, rich history. But there must be certain components to it that that help it stand out, that, that help that tradition continuing. And that kind of leads me to the next question here. So run, pass, or kick, you know the format here. Uh, run, pass, kick, or dummy. Um, <laughs> so you're a pioneer, man. You're a pioneer. So I stand uh, again with the question. So one man in Seattle that is a model of consistency for the Seawolves was Shane Skinner. So on that premise, what did he do to foster and develop a rich culture in the organization? Any insights as to why he stepped down at such a critical time for the league? Uh, Run, pass, or kick? Oh, pass. Okay. Okay. That's fair. fair. So... Um, Continue. Yeah, so, well, yeah, just for for those people that don't know, Shane Skinner stepped down. He was a, a guiding force at the Seawolves, a guy with tremendous energy. I had the fortunate opportunity to meet him uh, when the um, United States was playing um, the Maori here in 2018. Uh, I believe you were in Chicago at that time, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Shalom. Yes, yes. Because I never missed those I, matches. I probably yeah. was a spectator then. <laughs> yeah. I thought I passed you in the lobby on the way to the USA event. Just go just go to the game with your boots in your bag, just yeah. in case. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I had the pleasure of talking with Shane, and, and what a tremendous spokesperson for the league, certainly for Seattle. Mm-hmm. Utmost respect. I wish him – we wish him from the rugby rant uh, all the best in the next phase of his life and hope that he still shows up to Starfire to – get the crowd into a, into a lather and, and support the boys on the pitch. Um, and, and, and on that note, you've been a steady influence on the Seawolves uh, for four seasons yourself, obviously two championships to your credit, uh, stepping in when, when Ben took a headshot last season and, and stepping in uh, at fly half and um, run pass or kick. What role will you play with the team in 2021? And I'm going to follow that up also with, as you transition with your work off the pitch, what are you going to be doing in the corporate world? So a two-part question there, run, pass, or kick. I'll kick the first one, but I'll run the second. Can you do that? Okay. Sure. Who are you kicking it to? I'll kick the first one to tie. Oh, there we go. Yeah. I'll kick the first one to tie. Ty, what do you think my role this year? The first part of that was is – your role, what it could look like in 2021. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, man, if I had a a crystal ball, right. And, and, you know, we, we've learned that you look, you're a great ambassador for, for the sport. I will say that I would say that major league rugby would have an opportunity to be able to use players like you to be able to build on all the things that you've already established important in this program here, which is education, the youth game, you know, whether you be an ambassador locally for, you know, the Seawolves organization and a little bit beyond that circle, I think that, you know, everybody wants to be able to see you continue doing what you do, but we know that we want you part of the game in whichever way it may be, but transitioning, into a, a role where you could find yourself being an ambassador, grow the sport in some way, it would not only be good for you, it would be good for the game and it'd be good for the league. So I don't know how accurate this this is, but I can tell you that if those things come true, I would be very happy. Yeah, I think uh, it's a fairly decent answer. I mean, there's no doubt I'll still do the community engagement side of things here in the Pacific Northwest. There's, a, there's always a due diligence there. Um, given where we are as at a game, as we talked about before. But, uh, you know, at the same time, from a playing standpoint, uh, it, it'll, you know, this ties into my second question, which I'll run with. Uh, you know, I've just recently graduated school. Over the last seven years, I was balancing, you know, I came to America. Quick, funny story. I came to America. Now, Sevens head coach used to help Valley. Great guy. 
uh, used to help, you know make us stand up and introduce ourselves and you know tell us what college you went to, what what degree did you graduate from, and every time we did that for every series stop we went to uh, camp that we did. You know, I felt embarrassed every time because I never graduated college. You know, I kind of came over and played New America. Although I was born here, it was just, it was different gravy, you know, uh, in terms of, you know, the pathway and college was just a part of life, right? It's a different culture in that sense. Um, and so I didn't really go to college until I heard enough of that introduction. And uh, at the age of 27, I went back to school and it took me seven years to finally get through an undergrad and then finally graduated my MBA last year. And Nice. And Congratulations, time, yeah. man. <laughs> so, I mean, life was a bit of a juggling act. Um, but at the same time, when uh, it kind of, the timing was, was right with COVID hitting and, 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 and rugby being out. And um, I was lack, lucky enough to, I always wanted to transition into sales. Um, I managed to get into the world of insurance. And so the good news is I'm still in the, I went from helping from a philanthropic standpoint for the last 10 years to helping on the business front. So yes. I learned I learned enough about nonprofits and sports organizations mm-hmm. where, you know, I, I'm now giving, uh, you know, committing the same level of commitment and passion towards helping them on the philanthropic, uh, sorry, on the business front um, with, in regards to insurance. So it's nice. It's nice to still be in the industry, but learning a new skill and, and an element to business, which I hope to get a, you know, make some, uh, you go through some learning curves down this path uh, on the business right. side. A rolling stone gathers no moss, my friend. <laughs> and 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 on that note, I uh, for folks watching at home, uh, what you don't know is that before we went live, um, Shalom told a brilliant story, uh, and and I want to I want to ask ask you to share that with our fans because I think they'll find it really engaging about how you came to be playing rugby in the United States. If you just take a moment and share that story. Uh, just like you shared the story with, with your sevens coach making you stand up. Would you mind uh, just sharing that with the fans? Yeah, yeah. I think the journey to come to the U.S., for those who don't know, my funny accent is from New Zealand. Uh, <laughs> I grew up, grew up over there. Uh, I actually started playing rugby league. And how we first came to the United States, my brothers and I, uh, i got two older brothers I was fortunate enough to play with on the national team. And then I was unfortunate to play against them in Major League Rugby. He was very sore. Um, and I got to, uh, you know, back in this dates back in 2007, 2008-ish, uh, they, the U.S. National 15 coach wanted my oldest brother, Andrew. And at the time, he was locked into a professional contract. And he said, well, I can't make it. But I've got two younger brothers. You should have a look at them. <laughs> and so the sevens, the sevens coach uh, flew us over for a trial. And, um, you know, geez, from, from 2008 onwards, Roland and I played on the seven series. And that was the beginning of uh, an incredible journey where, where we are today. And so, um, yeah, and that, that's the short version. And uh, don't regret it. The rest is history, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> It's a pretty interesting tale, though. And, you know, it's it's quirky how players came to the game, especially here in, in the United States and, and, and Canada. It's it's always an interesting tale. Me, I was yeah. born in South Africa, so I pretty much felt like a game was always around me, right? But it isn't always the same for people here. So thanks for sharing a quirky little tale. Yeah. <laughs> we enjoy that. Go ahead, Ty. We just have just a couple more questions for you. We'll have some fun with this one and, and see if fans – uh, we'll get some insights onto uh, world rugby and things that are happening uh, over the course of the next year in, in world rugby. Yep. So, Ty, take this right. next one. So, as I mentioned a moment ago, uh, from South Africa, now South Africa is obviously, like any other part of the world, under some pretty severe COVID conditions. Now, yeah. what is uh, present is the conversation about whether the Lions Tour will continue forward, and if it does, what would it look like? So with that in mind, everybody wants to know what the answer will be. We don't know yet, but we'd love to be able to hear what you think. So here lies the question, my friend. Run, pass, or kick? It seems like both the British Lions leadership and Springbok coach Rossi Erasmus want to tour to South Africa to go ahead. In spite of COVID conditions there, is the decision to go ahead with the Lions tour a wise decision? What is your answer, run, pass, or kick? Geez, I honestly haven't read too much about it, so I'm going to kick this on the rope. 
Ah, well, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Um, I, I, I don't think it's a wise decision at all. I think it's a, uh, you know, it takes away from the idea of Alliance Tour. I think we've talked about this on the show a bit um, in that mm-hmm. the purpose of Alliance Tour is for the boys from the Alliance to go out there, go to whatever, you know, rugby mad community uh, they're visiting for that month or six weeks and actually get in there with the locals. And as you know, and as you love to do, work with young kids, young players and help them and give them an opportunity to touch greatness. And I really, truly believe that those opportunities are some of the springboards for young players to hope and dream and work towards uh, the the aspirations of playing for their nation against the Lions, right? So I think for me to find a way to put it off a year, wait for COVID to, to, to get through this thing and have the Lions do a proper tour, uh, that would be what I would choose to do. Right. That would be the wise decision in my mind. I will add something to that. Sorry, Shalom, if you wanted to jump in there. But being South African, I'm kind of like, well, I'll say it. I'm biased on this one. <laughs> so <laughs> there's no sugarcoating it. But in all fairness, if your country had to wait 13 years for that opportunity, right, like South Africa has had, right, because the last tour was in 1997, I believe, maybe maybe I'm wrong, but it's somewhere there, late 90s. So it's been a long time, right? And to have that opportunity stripped away from you uh, because of you know matters out of your control that affect everybody just the same as you, when there are answers that you could use, you just don't want to, or at least give opportunity to have a platform where it could exist. Yeah, that could be an hour debate, but I'm not going to go into it. <laughs> yeah. Will it be stripped, though, if they, what, well, if they simply look, postpone it? Well, the, the thing is, the opportunity we stripped away in the sense why I frame it as such is that South Africa will no longer be chosen as the host. It could then be moved mm. to another nation, still decided. Sure. Australia's offered the opportunity because they can actually successfully host the tournament given their low impact of COVID at the moment yeah, or their yeah. home nations with England taking the opportunity. But then why not Europe and why not Ireland? Why not Scotland take the opportunity? You know, so everybody's kind of fighting over the scraps out of the losses or, or the, you know, the spoils of that have come out of COVID. Um, I just think, man, if they managed to be able to postpone in the Olympics by a year, which was like more than, you know, how many events, more than 100 events, surely we could figure out a couple of rugby games. Mm. That's my so, round. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so one last question for you, and, and maybe this is, is one you're, you have a little bit uh, better beat on. Um, we're right in the heat of, and we just started, uh, at least for rugby fans, um, the Six Nations Tournament. And last weekend, the first weekend, uh, was a really interesting weekend, of course. We had uh, the Welsh barely nipping the Irish. Of course, Irish playing with 14 men uh, to, to, to 15. And uh, Scotland uh, getting a stunner, um, playing a perfect match against England and nipping them uh, for a victory, one they haven't seen in God knows how many years. It's been like 70-some years. On William Wallace world. himself yeah. rose from the grave <laughs> for freedom. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, my question is more generic. Run, pass, or kick is, and of course, France beat Italy, thumped them. Is France's is this France's championship to lose? Oh, run! No, I think you know France. Obviously, you know I've watched uh, I've watched all the games besides the French one actually, um, but because no, it had Italy in it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with the writings on the wall for that game, I think most of us could have predicted that, right? Um, but for the most part, I was shocked behind the other two. I wondered how much yeah. the Saracens, you know, going down, you know, played in the, uh, a role in that. And, and you know, what? Like given, you know, if you look at it from a World Cup cycle, you always see the upset results, you know, kind of this far out. And right. Things, things have to shape up closer to the Rugby World Cup as they prepare. Coaches are trying new things. They're experimenting. I'm not saying those are the reasons why you know those teams deserve to be won. You know, uh, for a reason. Um, but is it France's year? I'd say, man, it could be France's year any any year. Right? It's hard to tell with those guys. I think that it's hard. if I was to gamble, I would not be on France because they'd be most right. inconsistent. <laughs> yeah. On, on yeah, any absolutely. given day, they'll show up. You've got the same odds, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Either on or off. There's no nothing in yeah. between with them. I, I, I tell you, I've seen them. I, I still can't forget. I mean, a guy who maybe had 30 caps for France, uh, Christophe Lamaison, was an absolute 
magician. And there were a couple matches where they just stunned the world. And then they turn around a year later and play like absolute garbage. So it's, it's, it's a, you know, you're, you're spot on there. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting tale when it comes to, to, to French rugby throughout the years, but again, a part of the same reason, what makes it so exciting to watch. I almost feel it's the similar feel when I watch Fiji take the field, or if I watch Samoa take the field, it's because you don't know what team is going to rock up on that day. And that makes it exciting rugby. Nevertheless. They definitely play on both ends of the spectrum, which is to your point. It's, uh, makes it for an exciting match. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So Shalom, I wanted to be able to take the opportunity just before we close out this run, pass or kick interview here with your team on the rugby rant to remind everybody you like what we do. Make sure that you rate review and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast providers, including Spotify, Stitcher, Apple podcast, Google, wherever you may get them, you can get us under a rugby rant pod. So make sure that you rate us subscribe and follow it does help us reach even more ears and spread the game that we love because here on the rugby rant we aim to grow rugby one fan at a time one person doing his part to be able to grow rugby is certainly shalom so we want to be able to hand the mic to you my friend so you can give a shout out to any friends or family or special cause here's your opportunity let us know Appreciate it, gentlemen. Well, listen, thank you to first and foremost for having me on. Um, I guess, you know, the better exposure we can get around, you know, the, uh, I guess, you know, the players themselves or whether it be the franchises or whatever's going on around the rugby community. I think that now is a very tough time for a lot of sports in general, uh, let alone rugby. So, I mean, before our, I mean, I'm optimistic our world will open up in a way with the, that it was pre-COVID. Yeah. So, with that being said, I mean, it's given me time to think about a lot of the people who helped me the game go around, right? So if there's a big shout out, it goes to all the volunteers that go out there and, and do the, you know, the grassroots work, right? Whether it be the moms and dads of the administrators to the coaches to, I think they're the true uh, people growing the game, right? And they're doing it for free because they're passionate about it and uh, kind of taking the time to think about the impact of that, um, you know during the whole COVID thing. And so there are are lessons learned over that time where we could do things better when our world opens up. So definitely, definitely let alone them and hopefully all our best, all our top quality coaches that are coming over with, you know, really good IP. I hope they uh, can realize that we need that, you know, level of expertise at the lower end of the triangle pyramid, right at the youth level. Um, And so um, again, time back to your other question around how we, perform well at the international level i think it'll take things like that uh, changes like that for, right. for us to get to that level of success so nah, appreciate it one thing i have always said is that uh, passion is a powerful fuel and rugby is definitely not short in that regard yeah for sure so before we head out here i wanted to be able to remind everybody that if, again you like what we do, make sure that you go check us out, not only on your favorite podcast provider, but also check us out on social media under the at Rugby Rant Pod handle. Uh, from myself, uh, Ty Braga, your host for today's activities, alongside Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt, and on behalf of Scott Ferrara, who's producing the show in the background, we also want to be able to thank you for tuning in. But most importantly, we want to be able to thank you, yeah. Shalom, for joining us here today and all the fans that are tuned in to watch And we look forward to seeing you in whatever version it may be for many years to come in rugby. On behalf of the team, thank you for watching this episode of the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. And we'll see you at the next. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.